All right. Uh, well, James just snorted his line, so we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Now, 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 now. Don't wait for the translation. We all know that James can't afford cocaine. No, no. I just crush up Vivarin pills, though. Vivarin. You can't afford You don't even have Vivarin money. Oh, yeah, you have like that generic Walmart brand. Oop. I do. I totally have Vivarin money. The secret is to wait till it expires and they put it in the dumpster for free. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. But then you get into the... But then you get into the knife fight with all the hobos for <laughs> So how did you come out? Why the hell would a hobo want Vivarin? Why wouldn't he? I think he'd want to sleep most of your day from the misery. But maybe being a hobo was amazing. I don't know. If you have a shotgun and whatnot, I guess you can make up your own I'm, rules. I mean, they have to run really fast to get on them trains. That's true. That's true. I, I don't never, think I've I, ever actually had a Vivarin. I'm sure James uh, has, though. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I've had, I mean, if it's a caffeinated thing, I've had. Joe, you need a nap. I could use a nap. Uh, yeah, yeah, we could tell. You're not very lively today. Plus, those bags underneath your eyes could probably carry a couple cantaloupes. <laughs> Been there for 20 years. <laughs> I call it the Tommy Lee syndrome. Jones? Jones, not the, not the hepatitis. <laughs> yeah. Jones, not the hepatitis. All right, gentlemen. So, welcome to Bonehead. This week's episode is about. I get confused. So, what we're going to do? We did TV theme songs. Yeah. Are we doing theme songs about movies? Are we doing soundtracks of movies? Are well, we're we doing doing, doing we're, songs from movies? It can be. It can be instrumental. It can be the lyrics. I mean, no, mine are all going to be like the movie where uh, the big blockbuster, the big hit from the the, the soundtrack that more than likely wasn't even in well except in my instance all three were but sometimes the, the the song was not even in the damn movie yeah i was gonna say most of mine actually mentioned the movie like the title of the song almost always it's i mean i got a few honorable mentions but most of the time you're gonna be like okay you're not gonna have to ask what's what movie is that from again because yeah. it's the same title yeah because oh. you know for example with mine all three well no two to, I'll be honest, guys, my first pick's a junk pick, but I had to do it for the, for the sheer humor of it. But anyway, no, it's just movies used to have a big song every summer. Uh, and, you know, that would be the song that they play on the radio constantly. Oh, it would, yeah. It, it would, it, you know, that was the song you would hear. Con and it would, it's basically marketing for the movie. Now, I know not all of our picks might not be that. It may be instrumentals. But the two that I picked, two of my my major picks are that type of song. Yeah, none of mine are instrumentals because I was like, I'll hold on to instrumentals in case we do something later with instrumentals. But I, uh, yeah, so I, I'm much like with Chad. Most of mine are, it's going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's from that movie. Well, I don't know that I quite have that because well, I feel fine. like there's like three different episodes we could have done. We could have done the greatest movie scores. We could have done the greatest movie theme songs. And then we could have done the best movie soundtracks. And I have a combination of all three of those things. Well, and I think I think if we wanted to do, um, I think we could do an entire episode about um, uh, drops, right? Yeah, Albums yeah it's, drops. it's called needle drop. Needle drops. Thank you. Yeah. It's called needle drop. So needle drop, and we've talked about this on episodes previous, is where you just like the best one of the best examples because John Landis taught me this anyway, and he didn't teach me and show up. I just know it from documentaries and interviews. American Werewolf in London has some of the best needle drops. It has Blue Moon. It has three, if not four, versions of Blue Moon yeah. and Bad Moon Rising. And what that is, is that's the music needle dropped into the movie. And you're like, I see the Bad Moon Rising. Why he's, why uh, McNaughton or Naughton, I can't, John Naughton, what's his name? 
John Naughton, with David Naughton. David Naughton's walking around the yeah. apartment because he's not hungry, waiting to turn into a vampire that night. And the music that's playing over the werewolf, the sir. Different version. There's like the blue moon of the platter place at the end. Werewolf. Huh? You said vampire. It's a werewolf. Did I say vampire? <laughs> you did. Waiting to turn into a vampire. I'm like werewolf. It's a werewolf. Yeah, he turns into not, a werevamp. It's Again. not. A, it's not. It's not a vampire in London. For our audience, Joe seems very tired today. Uh, <laughs> just a lot of lot of stuff so anyway yeah, but there is a lot of different needle drop music the issue is is that when i started thinking of the songs that i liked it they're too damn iconic i can't talk about ghostbusters i can't talk about the power of love and yeah. because james probably will talk about the power of yeah. love. no that's it's i can't talk It'll about keep you home of, at night i hear i was gonna say i can't talk about the power of love because it's too mysterious a thing nice but you hear those songs, and I, if you're of a certain age, you have to see Marty McFly on a skateboard. Or if you see a skateboard, you think, power of love will keep you up at night, or whatever it is. Yeah, don't take money. Don't take fame. You don't need no well, credit card and even, to ride this train. And to me, by the way, I, I, I do equate that song with Back to the Future, but nothing's more Back to the Future than got to get back in time. He wrote two. Two. Yeah, he, yeah. he was I mean, given the of assignment of one. And he came back with two. Yeah, which actually, and you mentioned um, uh, Ghostbusters. He 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 was offered the chance to write the tune for that and turned it down. But Did, was he really? I didn't know that. That's you funny. didn't know that. Yeah, that's actually, why there's the whole lawsuit about why the the actual. And I thought the lawsuit is because Ghostbusters is basically uh, uh, want a new drug. Uh, one, one yeah, drug. I'm sorry. One, one new, and that's actually the song they played in the background to get the beat down for when they have the the thing. They were actually playing that music going, well, when we replace it, we'll replace it with something that sounds vaguely similar. It didn't sound vaguely similar. Yeah. Huh. But the, the one thing, uh, because when we first started talking about this episode, uh, was when we were talking about this, was the fact that the, the big movie theme song is dead now. Like, it's not, it's not a thing anymore. It doesn't seem to be a thing. Even unless you're a Pixar or and a I Disney movie. I think I know movie, who killed it. Well, uh, well, let me. Uh, I, did, I got some. I did some research on that because that was the first thing I did. Is I wanted to figure out why it isn't a thing anymore. Because, you know, it, in terms of movie soundtracks lately, the best, the the most iconic one I can think of now is Guardians of the Galaxy mixtape, and yeah, that is all pre-established. Which is all needle drop. Only, well, and, and I want to say real quick, Chad, before you go into the history, uh, that it didn't have to be that way. I approached Marvel. I, I wrote tons of songs uh, for the Avengers. They totally didn't even listen Every to Every song you said was, Avengers! <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was it. was the love boat? I don't know, James. It could Well, listen. And I then think, it broke into, oh, in the middle of it for the bridge. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, and, and, and it should have, because listen, as I'm going to talk about later, if other people can sample songs and make them new soundtracks, then by all means, why can't I? The because love boat. talent. The love boat is ripe to be sampled. It's called talent. But, and uh, the person who I think killed it is the well, one who sampled the most. But keep going, Chad. Well, yeah, and, and you can jump in at the end of this because I don't have anything on that one. Because I did. I, I researched. I did, a, I did a solid day's worth of research trying to figure out. 24 hours. No. Uh, six hours. Going. <laughs> ignored I, his anyway, family. I did six hours. I, I just was like constantly Googling. Why, why isn't there? No, a I should have. That would have been. Right. The movie theme song, and the best God. the best article I could find was actually. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's the God thing. It's funny. Sorry. 
No, no, I don't. I just didn't hear it. <laughs> no, I'm gonna be an image of Jesus behind Chad and be like, "Hey, hey, can I, can I, can I, can I get some milk from your fridge?" No, 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 no. Let's do Family Guy. No, uh, let's do American Dad. I'm pretty sure I asked for pecan <laughs> sandies. <laughs> anyway, Chad, that, that is the cardboard of all cookies. I'm telling you. Anyway, no. Um, the best thing I could find was from a 2000 article from the Orange County Register of all places written by Christy Lemire um, and because she did a whole in-depth article about this uh, interviewed several people in the music industry about why this is a dead thing um, and essentially the the number one thing is movie makers just started using pre they'd rather prefer to use pre-existing music music that they know that already exists that captures the tone of their movies like Quentin Tarantino um, you know rather than pay a songwriter find an artist to sing that song after they you know just all that stuff they they just prefer to use what already exists versus having to create it from scratch um there's a, this is actually a three-parter um the other is modern radio uh, kid kelly uh he's a dj uh and this is just speculation on his part um and he's quoted as saying of course radio has changed vastly and become more genre specific over the past decade um, which hurts enormous movie songs with attendant mass appeal uh, adult contemporary stations where many of these movie themes traditionally had been popular can be broken down even further into hot urban soft subgroups uh, there's so much fragmentation out there it's hard to find the right song so my guess is they just stopped looking and then the third aspect of that um, came from uh, Sandra Lersh uh, she wrote uh, music for Dan in real life uh, she thinks audiences tastes have simply changed uh, it was a different time for songwriters back in the early 80s. She's refer referring to the early 80s. Um, she started thinking immediately about Burt Bacharach's song from Arthur. Uh, it's Burt impossible Bacharach, today. He didn't sing it. No, it was Christopher Cross, right? I, I, when you get I don't know, song, Chad, but I do know. In New York City, right? Yeah. I know. I, I need do, to look that up. But it's true. I think it's I Christopher do know. Uh, I, I'm not an expert on Christopher Cross, but I do know that Chris Cross will make you jump. Jump. Yeah. So will Vivran. Not if you not if you build up taller. No, 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 no. The crisscross and the Mac Daddy make you want to jump, jump. Anyway, um, it's just so unfashionable in a way. It would be perhaps a great song and a great moment in a film, but it would never be a huge hit. It would never have a pop culture impact. It wouldn't be played on commercial radio. So that's the best I could find. I think I want to add another thing to that, and it, I, it actually made me think about it because I can remember. Uh, and if you're under the age of about 18, you don't remember. But there was a time when there was a television channel that played music videos. <laughs> and that was free advertising as well. So you could what go ahead and make do? your thing. And I can remember, and, and to say, I, I think people forget how big of an impact that was. Because I can remember a song that I almost included jokingly. But the theme song that Will Smith did for Wild Wild West, Wiki Wiki Yo Yo Bang Bang. Yeah, I can remember MTV had a countdown to the premiere of that video, and I mean it was a big deal. Oh, you're gonna see Will Smith's new 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 album, new blah blah blah, his new song for Wild Wild West, and it was a countdown in the corner, and that MTV doesn't show music videos anymore, and so it was free advertising. And yes, Joe's raising his hand, so I guess I need to stop talking. But I just wanted to point that out. That's the other side of it, I think, because. How many people were aware of Ghostbusters because they watched MTV and that song got played? How many people, you know, all of these things got 
not play only on radio. I think you're right, Chad. I think those articles are valid, but I also think MTV doesn't play music videos anymore. So why are you going to make a why are you going to make a big budget music video? Because some of those, I well, mean, a lot of great directors <coughs> came out of music videos. David Fincher being the one off the top of my head, and a lot of those famous Hollywood directors like Joel Schumacher actually directed one, if not two, of the videos from the movie at the time, such as Seal, a Kiss from a Rose. Well, and, is, and we mentioned that's directed Ghost, by Joel Schumacher. Yeah, Ghostbusters. The Ghostbuster video was directed by Ivan Reitman. I don't think so. Check it. No, check, I could be wrong, but I, I'm... All right. I may be wrong, too, but I don't think so. I think so, he got credit for it, at least. This, well, he directed a third of it because a lot of it's the footage from the movie. Yeah. The thing, gentlemen, I actually think the first one's right from the lady Joe's internet Dad was talking about. What'd you say? No, your internet kicked out again, but go ahead. Oh, I think the first one's right from the lady you were talking about. And I think James is right with the last one. And I think Will Smith killed it. And actually, that's what I was going to say. I cannot, off the top of my head, tell you a major music video promotion or any of that stuff after Wild Wild West. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It killed it. Yeah, because that, 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 that whole, that uh, Will Smith every summer had a big hit. Yeah. You know, and Men in Black, Black. What, the Men in Black video and the Wild, that, that's, I'm glad we're all three on the same wavelength because I'm I literally, literally can, think Wild Wild West killed it. I cannot remember a, a huge music video song after Wild Wild West. I can't either. And I think it killed it. I don't know that it's a terrible song. I just think it is a terrible movie. It, but it's, yeah, the song's not it, that it great. Some, it has some good scenes in it. Most of them come from one great uh, character actor, but it is a bad movie. It is. And I really think, and the hope to you all brought this up, that's what I was going to say is I think Will Smith killed it. Now, I can't blame all that. Will Smith is a very talented man. He's a good actor, but yeah. he killed the music video. And it probably is out of fashion now. I think you could bring it back. I don't know that I buy that radio thing because there's always a summer hit, except for maybe this summer. I don't know what it is this summer. But no, there's usually but a I, summer hit that we all kind of know or listen to. I mean, yeah, but it's it, that's transferred away from movies, and that, but that's always there's always been a that's always been a thing is that there's always been a yeah, summer music hit. I still hit. believe if the movie was a pop, if the song is poppy enough, it would play. I, don't get I, me I, wrong, I'm not I'm not arguing with that. And like I said, everything is circular. We will eventually sometimes get back to the big movie theme song. It will happen. It's just, every everything everything happens in cycles. It's 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 old and outdated now. Ten years from now, we'll have it again. Speaking of scores, really quick, I'm pretty sure Jerry Goldsmith talked about this. You can Google it. I may be wrong. Could be a Nino Morcone, Morcone. I'm joking. I don't think it's Nino Morcone. Did you say Morcone? I, I can't. Yeah. I just okay, just up. checking. I um, You're yeah, waking up. Good job. He <laughs> invented radio. So, Andy wrote the theme to John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> There's two people. You're the only two that laughed at that. Yeah, no. Jerry Goldsmith talked about this that one of his big problems jerry goldsmith is, is a, wrote a lot of great music for a lot of movies uh, alien being off the top of my head although he always hated the fact that he picked certain things from alien that there was this huge score and ridley pickpocketed a lot of it and some of it's actually from another movie that he took to jerry goldsmith's music from another movie and put in there by the way google any of this shit it's, it's fascinating if you're into making films he talked about the hardest thing to do when talking to directors was well what is your idea of love? What do you want it to sound like? Because I've heard, um, oh, what's his hell? Does Spielberg's music? Why can't I think of his name off the top of my head? This is so sad that I can't. Oh my God. I just made everybody. John go. Williams? 
John Williams. John Williams talked about, for example, uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Spielberg knew that he wanted X, and he knew he wanted bum, 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 bum. He wanted four beats, right? That's what he wanted for his movie. So it's easy enough for them to have a, have a conversation about that. The Goldsmith was talking about talking to most directors. Well, your idea of love is the fucking Beach Boys. And he actually used that example is the Beach Boys. I, what am I supposed to do to that when I'm trying to make a score? So it's really, I can get where the communication breaks down and directors, if you're probably prescribing or subscribing, I should say to the tour method of this is what I want, like Tarantino and other people with Needle Drop, but this is what I had in mind and this is what we're going to use. Well, I think your point's valid. I'm getting off a little bit of on a tangent. But no, I, th I think your point is valid too, because I think that's one of the things that, and matter of fact, actually, it's, it's made fun of by Mystery Science Theater 3000. There's tons of movies that have a love theme. Yeah. A love theme from, and matter of fact, the, the Mystery Science Theater 3000, the like closing love story. song. The closing song is actually called the one that plays over the final credits. For um, anybody listening, I'm having Basil Hayden. Of Mystery Science Series 3000, it's called the love theme for Mystery Science Series 3000, and Joe Hodgson did that because it's so popular. By the way, we know IMDb can be wrong from our Philip Huber, but Ivan Rickman is listed. Ivan Rotman. Ivan He's Rickman listed so as the director of the the Ghostbusters music video by Ray Park. Ray Park. Huh. Oh, that's that's interesting. That's it's what it says interesting on the thing. because I I've been told something different. I'll have to, I'm sorry. I'm not I, arguing with you. No, no, no. I'm, I don't know. I'm just going by what I, I've read, and there's two sources I saw. Well, thank God we've got Ivan coming on the show in a month, and he's going to tell us the, exactly what happened. Do we? Do we no, really have him? No. no. Yeah, no it's just going to be another time when you make me dress up as Ivan Rotman. Because <laughs> I'm tired of it, Joe. Somebody's dad. Oh, you I'm are tired of it. Dad. I am somebody. Uh, that's one of Bruce Campbell's greatest lines. He was doing a, a signing. I think it was at Joseph Beth, and somebody says, "You look like somebody's dad," and he screamed out, "I am somebody's dad!" <laughs> All right, so All right. let's go ahead and get started. Do you mind if I start with my first one? Go for it. None of you all are going to have this because if neither you take mine after you say nobody has it. I'll punch you. There's in no the way. Oh, in hell oh you wait, 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 wait. We got we got to put a caveat on this before you go, Joe. We all got to swear to one another that the person who picks my heart will go on gets kicked in the nuts. I didn't pick it. I don't, I don't care. Don't say who, but if it happens. Right. Nuts. My list. Somebody's getting kicked in the nuts, right? Here's some lyrics from my song. My song is the only one written by Robert and Richard Sherman and sang by Bobby Darren. None of you have that. No. Aha. While the city he, sleeps. Every night he creeps, just surveying his domain. He roams around like he owns the town. He's a king. He makes the plane. He knows every trick, doesn't miss a lick when it comes to keeping fat. Some city slicker, no one is quicker than, you're right, that darn cat. Oh, my God. Really? Right, that's not one of my favorites, but I was actually showing the original That Darn Cat to my kid. Bobby Darren Bobby Darren. I did not know. So I watched that movie quite a bit when I was a kid. It was one of my mom's favorites. And by the way, the remake of it is absolutely awful. The original oh, was the original. About, <laughs> no, it's not. The original yes, was about 20 minutes too long, but it's not. I, was say, I remember the original being boring. I, I yes, it's pretty boring. It's, it's, it's an hour and 50 minutes, about 20 minutes too long, but it's not awful. The uh, it actually it's directed by the same guy that gave it doesn't matter nobody gives a shit, but I didn't know that it was 
saying by Bobby Darren and written by the Sherman brothers. I mean, it makes sense that it was well, written by the Sherman Disney, brothers. So yeah, it makes sense. But Bobby Darren. Anyway, that's not my pick. Bobby, my pick. We're going to go see Bobby Darren at the Tropicana. So wait, you just did a pick and then you're saying that's not your pick? Yeah, fuck you people. So my pick is the soundtrack to this. There's a lot of Elfman out there of instrumental music. But as far as one that I own and that I can listen to, and a lot of it is, oh, what do they call it? It's, it's I, there's an actual term for it, but it's basically elephant stomping like through when you score a movie, it's not subtle, is the theme The Dark Man. I know Sam Raimi's my favorite director, and I know Dan, a lot of Danny Elfman's music sounds alike. But this is the one that I actually may be my favorite. I know people pick other ones, but I... I think people should go back out and re-listen to Dark Man. The music still holds up. It's amazing. Hmm. I don't have a lot to say about any of it. I took up my time with that darn cat because I didn't know Bobby Darren sang it. No, I didn't know that either. You got me. Dark Man. Here comes the Dark Man. <laughs> he can't be seen in the light because he's Dark Man. <laughs> I mean, we can do a whole show about the history of Dark Man, but I really love the score by Danny Elfman. Next. Huh. James, go ahead. You want me? Okay. I, you know, I've got to start with one that is historic. It, it, I mean, it literally has a place in film history by the Academy Awards. It's, it's, it, it needs to be talked about more. But the problem is it's also one of the most lampooned so theme songs ever. Because, Joe, who doesn't cop out when there's trouble all about? <laughs> I'm talking about Shaft. The theme from Shaft. Shaft, the theme from Shaft. Well, he's a bad mother. Award. It won the Academy. And it, Isaac Hayes was the first African-American writer. He wrote it. He produced it. And obviously performed it. First African-American to win in the original music category. Shut really? your mouth. Yes, yes. Uh, and it, the thing about it is, I mean, I, I mentioned Mystery Science Theater 3000. They use that all the time. But on top of that, the Simpsons have used it. Family Guy have used it. There have been so many parodies of that song that people forget what a big deal it was. Matter of fact, the Simpsons, when they wanted to make an allusion to it, Fox as a network who had historically said, well, the Simpsons can get away with pretty much whatever they want. When they wanted to actually have a sample of that song, Fox wanted to block it. Because they said it's too controversial, and uh, then they uh, then one of the uh, Fox uh, producers or somebody said uh, they play it on TBS, and they went okay, then you can use it as long as another as long as another station has done it, we'll let you do it. But it's uh, if you've never heard the theme from Flash or theme from Flash, sorry, the theme Flash. from Shaft, Flash. Um, uh -huh. yeah. That's that's not one of my picks either. But the theme from Shaft is really should be. historic. I mean, it is really a well. That and is so good. And there's it, well, it is a fantastic song to start as you're driving out of your driveway as loud as you can crank. But it. you know what Shaft isn't? Savior of the universe. Continue. But anyway, Shaft. Actually, I think Shaft's a better song. Shaft. Well, and I, uh, there's I, no argument. Some there. people point to Shaft actually as the the however you feel about disco as the the match that lit the coming of disco is how some people have referred to it really because it really? does have disco wasn't already on the scene what they say that, that it come out just 73 yeah i think so i think they they meant that it more or less created a pop culture that people were more interested of sound and i don't consider the thing from shaft disco by any means no. but it does have a very deep rhythm kind of to it and of course you do have isaac hayes just 
he's got that voice uh and so it went to it was number two in the soul category so there used to be so it went to number one on billboard and that's what everybody remembers but right. it was mm-hmm. something called the soul singles and it went to number two on the soul singles which was all soul music i mean it was and so it went that high in that very niche ranking system um but again, it produced, written, and performed by Isaac Hayes. And the truth, do you know the story about how he, he he did the job? Why he did the job? No, no, I didn't even know how he got the job. He wasn't interested in doing it. He didn't want to do a, a theme song for a movie. And I forget the producer, director, whoever it was, but one of them went to him and said, Listen, we need a theme. We like your sound. And he said, Well, listen, I'll do it if you'll let me audition to play him. And he's he, and they went, Yeah, we'll let you audition. Well at least they never let him audition, but he said, well, I kept up my side of the deal, even though they didn't keep up theirs. And he said, the only thing that made him upset was Richard Roundtree was not a renowned actor either. And he goes, they didn't even give me a shot after they promised, but they gave him one. <laughs> and, i tell you a uh, true story about him. He actually got pissed and, and was really mad at John Carpenter and really tried to get Deborah Hill and John Carpenter to put him back and escape from L.A. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they, 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 they told the story later saying, but you, 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 you died yeah you're the king of new york you're a number one you died yeah, he died horribly he blew he up shot. oh yeah yeah okay. shot by donald pleasance screaming which is you're a number so- one you're the king of new york <laughs> which is how so many people went back in the day i mean literally shot everybody but michael myers well and that's not from lack of trying i know donald pleasance trying to blow him up shoot him didn't work never worked yeah. Anyway, but yeah, now if you've never heard the theme from Shaft, I don't know. I don't know what planet you're on. Uh, But I mean. Well, you're probably under 30. Well, and now people think of, well, unless you've seen the remake, because he he re-recorded it for the Samuel Jackson remake. I don't know if it's used in the most recent. Is it used? I was about to say, is it used in the most recent? I don't know. Because I I don't think anybody remembers the remake either. It's not a memorable film. No. But I I did want to say, I think people now think about it as this silly kind of pop culture thing. But. It was African American, first African American to win best original score. Or, Shaft is the, how I got my RA job. Because you're one bad mother. <laughs> Shut your mouth. No, it's. I'll give you the short version. I was interviewing with a guy that's no longer around, Randy. You all know him and Craig. And they were asking me my hobbies. And I was talking about movies and started talking about collecting movie memorabilia. And they asked me what something obscure or something I had. And I actually, at the time, still, and I still have it, Shaft in Africa, he's got a big stick, and they both started laughing their ass off about me. I, I'm sure it was weird having a 19, 20-year-old in front of him talking about Shaft in Africa and having the LP. I think, by the Because it's the Four Tops did the song for that. It's, are you man enough? Big and bad enough? Are you able to slow them down, show them down something? Uh, by the way, I want to mention Shaft in Africa. I think if you read... I don't know which edition it is. It's Sorry, Leonard Maltin's. I know exactly Maltin, what story you're going to tell Lynn, you. Leonard Maltin's summary of Shaft goes to Africa and buries a dog. <laughs> I, I like, really, Leonard? That's all you got for that one? Okay. I don't remember the dog part. I'm sure I've seen he it. He goes to Africa and he buries a dog. I'm I remember the sure song more than I remember the movie. Okay. So, me now? Okay. Sure. Uh, so this one is a throwaway. I'm just going to tell you, it's a throwaway. But it, it was it has a catchy tune. I did I that knew darn cat by Bobby Darren. Mine's worse, Joe. Uh, so no, uh, it's just a song that I heard when I was a kid, and it it repeated in my head over and over again. I don't even know how I got a I got it in my head or how I heard it, but it was in it, it got in my head. 
Um, so I'm just going to tell you some of the lyrics. The, the, uh, the theme song still remains the same. The plot itself has hardly changed. A guarantee met, that is, fortune and fame. Anyone? No. Let me continue. We have no mighty showguns, no flying spaceships or explosions, no James Bond cars, Top Gun jets, or real expensive fancy sets, but a deal we set for bit cassettes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, I, I thought about Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, but I don't remember that part of it. I remember the... Uh, this is actually from the sequel, Return of the Killer Burn. Tomatoes. Is, that, is uh, okay. in the sequel or is he in the original? George Clooney's in the sequel. He's in the sequel. And John um, Aston's yeah. in both of them? No, John Aston is only in the sequel. Sequel. Yeah, he's only in the sequel. Well, so yeah. I think I only know the sequel. Yeah, the first one, the first, honestly, the first one, uh, the first Killer Tomatoes has some funny element, have money, uh, funny moments to it. However, it's probably about 30 minutes too long when they realize they're out of gags. <laughs> well, but and I just the, remember the theme song so much for, more from the first one because you've got to remember it, Herbert Farbage while yes. taking out his garbage. Yeah, and, and the, the second theme remember. song actually plays, has some elements of the first one. It, it, it's kind of a connecting tune. And then there's also um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the animated series that has, the same, um, has a similar version of the same song. It's a march, more or less, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, more, it's more of a march. Um, yeah. but, and it's written by John, John Bedello. Um, and I, re- I really I wanted to find some research on this song and the people who wrote it. There's nothing shocker but uh no it's just john Bedello, not... aka the um oh shoot burn hollywood burn, uh, alan smithy the alan smithy. i was gonna say max yeah. shrek i was gonna go really obscure max shrek when we had this when we when we picked this i had the two that I, i'm gonna i listed plus a whole plethora of more a uh, bunch of more but as I was writing stuff up, I just kept going, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And I was like, I got to talk about it because I was thinking of it while I was typing up this script. So that's my first pick. Well, I was going to say, and by the way, it's still, I mean, the original, I don't, I, I've never heard the return one, evidently, but the original one is still on Halloween CDs. Like I, I usually pick up a couple of Halloween CDs every year because I like Halloween music. It is the exact same song with the exact same beats. It just starts different out different words. Yeah, just different words. The song starts out really slow, but then it picks up really fast. Attack! It's it's the same. It's the same thing. Well, I think people know the song more than they do the actual movies. I would yes. imagine. I would. Yeah. Imagine. Or they just know the absurdity of a movie about tomatoes Killer killing tomatoes. people. Yeah. By the way, the animated series you mentioned real quickly has one of my favorite lyrics that gets stuck in my head: "Will Wilbur get rid of that dumb parachute?" <laughs> Because it has a character that has the parachute that he always yeah. drags behind him, but he refuses to take it. And it's only an animated one, as far as I know. But I just remember that lyric, and it occasionally pops into my head randomly. Will Wilbur get rid of that dumb parachute? And I don't, I can't, it's something. That lasted, what, one season, if that? Yeah, it lasted one season. Um, but Never one of the, you know, one of the absurd, absurd parts about the the first and I, I got to talk about this real quick even though we're talking about theme songs, um, the first one so it's it's the same group of people these 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 supposed heroes who are fighting the tomatoes but in the first one there's a guy who's a a master of disguise and he literally sits like around a bunch of tomatoes in a tomato suit and eating with them while he talks you know things like that but he's a really skinny individual and he changes outfits throughout the movie it's one absurd stupid thing after another but in the sequel that same character is about 300 pounds and only dresses like the Lone Ranger. 
Hey, Tom, so, Tom, Tom changes, man. Listen, James Dewan gave up smoking. He put on weight. It happens. It happens. <laughs> Joe, go on. All right. Play. So back in the day, as we, was, as we were talking earlier, you would actually go out and buy the soundtrack for the movie. Mm-hmm. So what I really wanted to do with most of my picks is that there was, like as I was saying earlier, I had a hard time because I think we could do three different shows. But yeah. I wanted to pick stuff that I actually owned, that I actually loved. And this particular soundtrack meant a lot to me when we talk about Needle Drop. And I yeah. bet a lot of people had it of a certain age, being my age. Paul By the way, Trigger. Joe, yeah, okay. It's got such a diverse sound to it. Though. It's a very diverse you got soundtrack. Got the Statler Brothers counting flowers. On. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So we have the Statler Brothers. You had the Tornadoes. You had Al Green. But there's Justice no original Green, songs though. on that, right? It's all. This is all kind of like we're saying now, where everything is yeah. already existing content. The only thing that was original content is the actual excerpts from the movie. Right. Okay. Or um, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon is actually, which is by Urge Overkill, is actually a cover of an older song, isn't it? I think so. That was one of those that was big on MTV, if you guys remember, was the video for that. I do. Yeah, by Urge Overkill. And hold on, there was one more on here that I can't remember. It may have been, actually, of course, I have this. Quinn Tarantino does not use any, like, all of his stuff is pre-existing unless it's instrumental, right? Uh, there is most of the instrumental stuff is pre-existing the only okay. time the only i think okay any morricone who just morricone who just i mean keep saying morricone morricone who just died was a great yeah. italian composer if you don't know who he is google him the good and the bad and the ugly which i could do a whole damned episode on near 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 which i think people know and don't know even know the movie i knew i knew girl you'll be a woman soon by the way i knew i knew it in its original form it's neil diamond Right, I didn't. Th- well I didn't think Urge Overkill. <laughs> no, no, I just. But yeah. I was like, I know that song because it's it's one that I know my dad has played at some point, and it's Neil Diamond. Right. So the only time I can tell you, Chad, other than Morricone, Morricone doing the music for the Hateful Eight, which, by the way, yes, is a western, but is a is a remake of the thing. John Carpenter's the thing to be mm-hmm. precise. I think anybody who's seen the thing, and I, a lot of people talked about it going, damn, that's a lot of the thing in there. Don't get me wrong. He, I don't think he's stealing. I just think there's a lot of him taking in John Carpenter's The Thing for that movie. Anyway, oh my. it's for Kill Bill Volume 2, uh, Robert Rodriguez. That's all original for that by Robert Rodriguez. And he okay. and, of course, Rodriguez are close friends, or were. Next. Now they're blood enemies. I have no idea. About it's Hollywood, man. It's Hollywood. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Chinatown. Is it me again? Chinatown soundtrack that was done by Bob Denver. Can you imagine Bob Denver doing a song, theme song for Chinatown? How do you work the word incest into it? (laughs) It's funny in my head. I don't really care about anybody else laughing. If you've never seen Chinatown, do yourself a favor and get yourself some Polanski. Oh, wait. No, probably should have said it that way. James, get us out of this. Uh, yeah, I, Joe's already alluded to this, but I, I do have to bring up. I mean, I, I don't think you can talk about soundtracks that mention the title of the name. Uh, obviously, we're not doing Ghostbusters because that's obvious. But I think that the second most obvious, and if you're younger than we are, it is Men in Black. Uh, and Men in Black, by the by the way, of course, samples Forget Me Not by um, 
uh, what's her name? Patrice Roshin. I may be mispronouncing that. Patrice Roshin. Um, and if you've never heard that song, uh, the chorus to that song is, here's some forget-me-nots. Please don't, uh, to help you remember, which of course became, we are the men in black. We won't let you remember. Uh, so it's a big sample of that. It's basically a remake of that song. Everything um, he did was a sample. And, uh, you know, but in, in defense, in defense of um, Will Smith, he's not the only one that was doing it for some no, no, time. No, um, no, no. Uh, you had a statement uh, of fact. You had Puff Daddy or P. Diddy or Diddy. Sampling uh, Zeppelin. For and uh, Godzilla and all of that. Cashmere stuff well. for Come With Me. Yeah, yeah. Hell, Which it, it, uh, what's his face? Uh, oh, shit, I forgot the guy from Zeppelin. He plays on the he plays the album. He does the guitar. Well, I was going to say the same thing. Um, Will Smith is credited as, as a writer for Men in Black, but it also uh, credits Patrice Russian, uh, who's still very active. You can actually she had an album I think come out last year that or a couple years ago that won a Grammy. Um, Terry McFadden and Freddie Washington. Freddie Washington is the one that did the kind of deep bass that is that when you hear that song, you're like, oh, it's Men in Black. That's and he's the same guy. Um, but it is uh, so, yeah. I mean, the, the original lyric was, you know, uh, to help you remember. And so they just basically looked for low hanging fruit. Right. And, and by the way, I shouldn't say low hanging fruit. You couldn't give me a song and be like, okay, James, make this match a movie my best would be weird al's worst right so i shouldn't right. say low-hanging fruit but will smith is immensely talented and he did and he made something that was really catchy i mean that album sold really really well it did go to i think it did go to number one on the billboard charts i'm sure it did sort of like the same way ghostbusters did and that's why i say right. for a certain age group men in black uh, has a certain place like ghostbusters does for me um my my younger sister always loved Men in Black, and so it's kind of Ghostbusters for her. She's she's about seven years younger than I am. So, anyway, um, but do you think Men in Black has carried over with time like Ghostbusters? I don't think it has. I no. think uh, no. I and I think I don't hear it at Halloween. I don't hear it at no. Well, and I think the reason for that is they went back to the well to like somebody made the comment. Do you think if we had nonstop Ghostbusters that it would still have the same effect that it did? Yes. You, I, you, uh, I do. I really do. Yeah, because the movie, the first one, and I know that's the one of the few things we all three agree on. But yeah, yeah, that first movie is I. It's about damn near. Don't get me wrong. It's not a perfect movie. There's no such thing as a perfect movie, but it's damn near perfect. And it's a lot of it by accident and timing. Yeah, yeah. I I think they could have done a couple more. Hell, they did the series, James. No, no, I agree. I, it's just it, the argument because I think that's I haven't seen Men in Black International yet, and that's got a great it's awful. It's cast. like a TV movie. It's it's really? so bad. Yeah, it's like someone heard. I watched it two weeks, three weeks ago. It's one Chris Hemsworth, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Someone and, and, heard. Uh, what'd you say? Someone heard of a Men in Black pitch and go, "Oh, that was popular. We should do something like that. Only let's mix it up a little bit and let's make it international." It, it's um, it's pretty bad. Well, and by the way, if you're a Men in Black movie fan and you've never read the original comic, which was by Aerosel, which became Malibu. It's not even close to the comic, is it? No, I mean, uh, Jay was more, I'm sorry, Kay. Kay was basically, uh, the Liam Cunningham created the Men in Black. And his pitch, or his, the way he wrote it was that um, 
he viewed Kay as, I think the way he summed it up was, imagine Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry raped Satan and they had a baby. <laughs> and I mean, and, and, and if you read any of them, um, when Malibu got bought out by Marvel, so Marvel actually, if you watch the credits of the first movie, it actually gives credit to Marvel. Well, that's not really true. It's corporately, yeah. But Aerosale was an independent press, and then it got bought out by Malibu, so Malibu was also an independent-ish press. It, was, it came to be a pretty big company. It got the rights to Star Trek for a while. I say all that to say, though, when the movie came out and they reprinted some of the original comics and then they did an update and they brought Liam Cunningham back, the first time it was under Marvel, there's an entire thing where it's, it's supposed to be when Jay first joins and it's a flashback and he won't get out of the way for Kay to shoot. So Kay shoots through him and has to get him into this machine to save him. But he literally starts screaming, you're shooting me, Kay. And he goes, yeah, I don't care. I don't, I'm, if you die, I don't care. Yeah. I have to stop this. The rest of the world doesn't care if you live. I, my job is to protect the world. And he literally blows his friend apart or blows his other fellow agent apart. It is not the movie that we see on the screen. I don't think we'll ever see Liam Cunningham's original version of that. On, it would be a hard R. That being said, um, yeah, no, I, I, I just think the song is, um, I, I will argue, and no offense to Will Smith, because obviously he's doing a lot better, and obviously his acting is, is still going on. But I think um, Men in Black, no offense meant to the Wiki Wiki Yo-Yo, Bang Bang, Wild Wild West, but I think it's the last pop culture, just everything about that movie at the time. I mean, the sale of Ray-Bans went up, the sale of the websites, all of that stuff. Uh, he, he hit the nail on the head, and that Men in Black song is catchy. When you play it, it's, it's popcorn. It's not going to change your world, but it was a perfect synthesis of the movie coming out, everything. Got to give some credit to Men in Black. Now slide, with okay. me. Now slide. All right. So uh, my, my next pick is actually going to be one where <clears throat> this is actually the first uh, cassette tape I ever owned. Um, Hanson, you know, it came out on CD no. too, right? <laughs> uh, but when I heard this song on this movie, um, I had to go out and buy it. And uh, I know we said we're not talking about Ghostbusters because we all agree. However, so they packed up their group, got a grip, came equipped, grabbed the proton packs, and they split. Found out about Vigo, a master, of, master evil. of evil. Try to they tried to battle my boys. That's unreal. That's not legal. That's not legal. Shit, I always get it wrong. On our own in control. Bobby Brown, Ghostbusters Two. I had the single cassette tape. I had, it's, it was the first CD I bought, and I can remember it because that was back when CDs came in that impenetrable fortress. Yeah. Like, they had to call somebody from electronics to yep. open it, and then even the one you got home, it still had the thing around it that you had to cut off to get to the, to get to the normal CD part that we know about today. Right. Yeah, I, I, and I just remember that. Uh, and... I'll be honest. So we all agree that the theme song to Ghostbusters is, is good, but I'm going to, I'm going to say controversially that the Bobby Brown on her own has a more impact on me than the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters. It song. may be a better song, but it does. No, it doesn't. No. Cause I, uh, can't, just because, I can't hear the, I can't hear the opening. I'm like, no, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. But in terms of me as a kid, 
just now experiencing something new music wise and I hear that and it changed a lot for me. And it's, it's like, it's Bobby Brown. Why is Bobby Brown? But it's, it's on her own. And it was, it was huge at the time too. It's in the movie. Yeah. And, um, the, and by the way, the music video, uh, well, let me, I'll get into that, but it recorded it. It was recorded in 1989. It peaked at number. And I, I can't believe this was a ranking. I don't know if it is still now. Cause I don't, care about billboard charts but it peaked at number one on the u.s billboard hot black singles chart uh for one week and it went on to number two on the billboard hot 100 for three weeks so it was massive during the summer of 1989 um the video itself was released in june of 1989 i don't know if you all have you all ever seen it yeah I know the Run DMC video. It's been a long time. Movie. I'm sure I have seen it, but I don't have any recollection of it whatsoever. So it's 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 a terrible music video. I'm just going to it's 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 shots of New York, beautiful shots of New York, and occasional and it's Bobby Brown appearing uh, with like a bright yellow color background and a, and a and he changes suits and it's just him singing through a video screen on parts of the building and then he'll be on one building performing right. and then on the, the building that's caddy corner any of that yeah on the building on the caddy corner they're playing clips of ghostbusters 2 um and then there's celebrity uh people there's celebrity cameos in it like as, in the first, as the song progresses like um, the ghostbusters the yeah first ghostbusters doing things around new york cameos. like christopher reeves on a bicycle and he looks up and it's supposed to be bobby brown singing on a building i have got to watch that because i mean danny devito john candy who else is a celebrity cameo in the first ghostbusters uh chevy chase chevy chase Al franken is in the yeah. first movie. and the cameos in the second one are not near that epic uh i'm gonna list off the highlights the, well the first one's jane Curtin. <laughs> she's probably big at the time malcolm now, forbes once again say what you will about jane Curtin, but we all know that she's, she's an ignorant guy. slut <laughs> Listen, Jane, it's dried up slunk meat. I never got that lied, but I just love, I wish I could call somebody that. Listen, you dried up slunk meat. I'm sure you could do it once. Once. Yeah. Once. Let me get tenure. Yeah. But it's a uh, it's Malcolm Forbes, Joey and Marky Joey and Marky Ramone. Mm-hmm. Christopher and, and and it's one and one of them's playing a sax and the other one's just standing there in front of a group of people. Well, why the Ramones? I don't well, know. None of them be buried in a pet cemetery. It's going to get weirder. Um, Christopher Reeve. M-O-N-E-S. As I mentioned, Christopher Reeve. And he just shows up in a, on a bicycle wearing a bicycle's outfit. And that's it. And, it, and he does not look Superman-esque at all. And then finally, a certain man walks out of a building, <laughs> turns around, um, it, Donald Trump. <laughs> of course it is. He's in Home Alone, and, too. <laughs> and you know what's amazing? It's it's normally you know back then I probably thought that was cool but it actually pissed me off and I had to turn off the music. <laughs> I, was like, I always yep. thought he was you know uh, you're talking about cool but I always thought he was slunk meat twenty years ago. Oh no, I thought well, he was I thought he was I always thought he was trash. Oh my god, guys, uh, my kids um, last night. Um, they told you about their new uh, Republican theories. No, I entered. I introduced. <laughs> they did talk to, about how people are just keeping the white man down. I introduced them to the early '90s version of the Little Rascals, and they were so into it. And then at the end, guess who makes a cameo? <laughs> really? And I immediately wanted to turn on. I don't, I've never. I don't like, remember. I know, I'm, I'm a... Oh, yeah, so I guess Home Alone Two doesn't play in your house. <laughs> no, that, that does too. You know, I know yeah, that was coming. Really quick, uh, the thing about that is, 
I, I didn't know about that cameo. I mean, I remember the music video once you started talking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that pops up on. But I didn't remember that cameo. But it does make sense that I know at one point, if you go back and look at the original, some of the original ideas they had for part three, um, at one point it was going to be they go over, they cross over the other side and they're yeah. going to go to uh, oh. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was going to be ran by, and they actually said, we need Donald Trump to play that role. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what What in the world? How, how? Anyway. Uh, yeah. Not the- yeah, yeah no so uh, i know we just got on a rant that we shouldn't have gotten on probably for this episode but yeah no it was and that's the lip that's the cameo that they ended on that being said and real quick hold though on, I, hold on, really quick we should have went off on it i mean it's up to let's let our fan decide yeah yeah <laughs> that's for the fan, the fan. um the, the one You're welcome by the way though i want to you mentioned that soundtrack and i know you're just talking about one song but that also has flesh and blood on it by Oingo Boingo. Oh, really? Oh. And I play that song every Halloween. If you if you don't remember Flesh and Blood, it actually has a creepy vibe to it. It's very much 80s, but it's got a very creepy vibe after all we're flesh I always were just remember Dead Man. Is it Dead Man Walking? Dead Man's Party. Dead Man's Party, which is actually in party. another uh, great school. 80s film, Back to School. Uh, Oingo Boingo has great Halloween music. Like, if you buy yeah. their greatest hit, it's it basically it just played at Halloween. That's what it's for. It should be at least. I didn't know. But Uncle I also had a greatest hit. I also wanted to mention. Actually, the 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 last performance they did when they were wrapping everything up, uh, it's it's great. Seriously, um, I wanted to mention two songs that don't get any credit from that soundtrack. One, I actually I think Bonehead Twitter. Hold on, I'm having an episode anyway. <clears throat> Bonehead Twitter tweeted out and tagged Elton John asking him when he was going to next, if he would perform at his final concert, if he would just perform one last time, Love is a Cannibal. That's in <laughs> Ghostbusters 2? Two? 2, yeah. I don't remember Love that. I don't remember that. Love I don't have the soundtrack cannibal. either, though. Uh, I remember the other exactly song, what the soundtrack though, looks like. It's a blue cover with a cast on it. Yeah. Yep. Right. It's up in the cabinet right above me, by the way. I keep it upstairs, so I put it in the DVD player sometimes when I'm working, because uh, I just need background music. Uh, but it, it's got Ghostbusters by Run DMC. It does have On Our Own, and it's got We're Back by Bobby. We're Back. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. obviously the cover of Higher and Higher, for obvious reasons for that movie. Um, but it also has Spirit by Doug E. Fresh. Oh, some really? Fear. Some people fear it. Some people something. Some people, some people won't, won't go, go near it. it. But as long as I'm me, and I know you're you, the Ghostbusters are back. Yeah. yeah. Better I think that's than a- never. That is a great soundtrack. I don't care it, who says. Eh, it's okay. But it's fun. I, no, I enjoy it. I mean, it's it's it, it's not. It, it, to be honest, to me, it is the first one I have a, a warmer place in my heart for because, like Joe said, yeah. But I mean, it is about like the first soundtrack to me. Like there's there's about four songs on there. I will listen to Elton John do "Love Is a Cannibal" because I do wonder. Uh, that was still when Elton John may have been in a little bit of his drug phase. And you can tell it's a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, doesn't make necessarily a ton of sense, but but there's about three or four songs on the soundtrack. They'll be like, yeah, I'll listen to that. And then the other ones, I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> no, skip, skip. And it's about like that for the first one. Ray Park wins, but the rest of them, right? Who's in my last? Always. So, I was trying to pick things that were in my cabinet because I wanted. 
obviously I wanted to pick something that I enjoyed listening to. Now, is that the cabinet you got off Dr. Kilgari? <laughs> Thank you. It's Caligari. Yes, I really did. I didn't know. I don't know him. Just, I don't kill Gary. I don't kill Gary. His steps were slanted and it was bluish green out for some reason. <laughs> you think one silent film fan out there is going, ah! Um, so back to Dr. Caligari. The one I had, I I think somebody ran off with this damn thing when they were still in the fog. I couldn't find it. But this is from, it's a soundtrack. I can't pick just one song because there's actually two or three really damn good songs on the soundtrack. But the movie was a bomb. Came out in the summer of 93. Was supposed to kick the ass of another picture coming out that summer with uh, some guy named feel something steve it had these jurassic world park (laughs) things it was supposed to kick his ass but it turns out last action hero even with its burger king uh tie-in and all that failed to hit the box office gold rubby rubber baby here's what i find fascinating about the sound well it's not really fascinating i find it interesting because not only does it have two or three good songs from people who are on their way out like def leppard actually probably has one of def leppard's best songs two steps behind if you've ever listened it's an instrumental song it doesn't doesn't even particularly sound like def leppard kevin shelton and i here's a shout out to kevin we're talking about this one time it's one of the few things we have in common is like actually that's probably one of def leppard's best songs probably one right close to one of the last hits but it also has listen to this has Alice in Chains, ACDC, Tesla, hold on, two Alice in Chains, Megadeth, Fishbone, Cypress Hill, Anthrax, all on the same soundtrack. Queens Rich, Aerosmith, all on there. By the way, Last Action Hero song was done by Tesla. It's awful. But here are some of the songs that I really do like. Two Steps Behind by... Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to sing it. And Big Gun by ACDC. Two Steps Behind was by Def Leppard. And where is it? Oh, damn it. Allison Chains, What the Hell Have I? Which is probably one of my top five Allison Chains songs. So uh, why is the soundtrack for Last Action Hero so good and the movie so bad? Uh, one probably, yeah, I mean, one probably went through more reviews than the other. I well, Maybe. The big thing was with that movie, and if I can say, well, I'm not going to be able to say as intelligently, but what the big the big gimmick behind that movie was it was supposed to be the everything in an action movie that they could put into one action movie and also make it comedic. And of course, one of those things back then anyway, with a action film is the soundtrack. And in my opinion, the soundtrack was the only thing that they got right. But <laughs> there's about 10 or 20 minutes of it that are good. And there's a few documentaries about what went wrong. And John McTiernan's actually talked about it fairly yeah. openly over the years. I'm assuming I, this was interviewed, interviewed him after he got out of prison. Google John McTiernan's fantastic director gave us Die Hard Predator, uh, Hunt for October. But he also gave us The Last Action Hero, which did his career no favors. It was a huge bomb. It was one of the last movies where Hollywood spent that kind of money on publicity. Right. I mean, it was on the space show. Yeah, it was huge. You guys remember this? 
Yeah, it was huge in terms of building up to it. And then it just came out and they were like, wait, what's, what the, what hell, the is hell is this? I saw in the theater, didn't hate it. Of course, I would have only been. I don't hate it. I enjoy it. I I'd only been 14, 15 years old. Tried watching it again a while back. I enjoy scenes in it, mm-hmm. but it is a just a mess of a movie. It is so, it, and yeah. the problem is, is the genius idea behind it of probably of making fun of, of being a satire of action films doesn't quite come across. It no. just comes across as sloppy, as a mess, and as one of those giant Hollywood films where so much money and so many ideas were spent or put into it, it never did quite work. That being said, it has four or five damn good songs. ACDC's uh, Big Gun is really good. I don't know why they don't play it a lot, by the way. I, I, I don't th- hear anybody ever talking about it. You hear about Who Made Who. They did the soundtrack for, <clears throat> that's another, by the way, ACDC must kill movies because... Maximum Overdrive, not a big hit. Who made who? Pretty big hit. Anyway. Last Action James, Hero is my pick. James, that's your cue. Oh, is it me again? Is this you on? Don't listen to Two Steps Behind. Is Zorro on? No, uh, I, you know, I was going back and forth, um, and, and I've got to mention another one, because it is a soundtrack for me. Uh, even when I was debating whether or not I was going to take uh, the job that I got, I literally thought of this song. Uh, I'm going to talk about Lose Yourself by Eminem for 8 Mile. And I think what's so important about this song is it's the only song that was also written as the movie was being made. He wrote it on set. That's why there is illusions. He didn't write it before thinking, oh, they'll make this movie. He wrote it as it was as the movie was being filmed. And some of the other actors actually talk about he literally would be, they'd call break and he would run and get a pen and write down. And that's well, why some science of the, sense because Mackay Pfeiffer is in the song. It's mentioned. Yeah, it's been, this is my life and there is no Mackay Pfeiffer. If you watch the film, Mackay Pfeiffer plays as somebody that kind of helps try to usher him. And, and, uh, but Lose Yourself, much like the theme from Shaft, surprised a lot of people. Eminem didn't show up to the award ceremony because he thought he had no chance of winning and sure enough, he won. Um, and so it won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Uh, you know, and to be honest, I, I like the film Eight Mile. Um, I've watched it a few times, but I'm much more likely to listen to the song than I am to revisit the movie. Um, I really because, like the movie, but I haven't watched it in a long time. That's what I mean. I, the, I the movie's Eminem really good. Out on an acting career, actually. Well, I, I was about to say, and I think he. Um, I have a story and, about that. And he he's he's I, he may not be done yet. We'll see. Because uh, at one point he was going to be uh, the Have Gun Will Travel movie. Allegedly, he was going to be in that. Well, he face. was going to be. He was going to be wanted too. Yeah, he he was going to be. Uh, that's who Watts' his face wanted for Elysium. Yeah, yep. Matt Damon. It was, and I could not figure that out. I was like, Matt Damon's a fucking great actor. And then I watched Elysium and thought, geez, this movie Eminem would have killed it. Yeah. yeah. It's, and, and, it's one of those things when you watch, uh, as much as I love Sam Raimi, but Oz is great and powerful, and you watch it and you go, oh, it's okay. And if you never knew that that was supposed to be Robert Downey Jr. Yep, and, then yep. you think, and then as soon as you find out and you're watching it going, exactly. just don't do the movie. Um, right? Um, right? Just yeah. don't do the movie. Because it, it has to be Robert Downey Jr. Or someone close to that. It can't be James, almost said Vanderbeek. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Hell, give him a shot. Uh, anyway, no. James Vanderbeek. Um, so it, this was actually written on set. And according to Rolling Stone, actually, the, the initial recording of it was done on set in uh, one take ver- per, ver- per verse. So he would do a verse, stop it, 
and then he'd come back and record the next verse and then the, so the original take of it was uh one take per verse but he did it as they were wrapping up filming on the same set so uh but i think again that's a song that definitely plays on the radio without you don't have to see eight mile to know no i don't song. i think you're absolutely right that song is i'm and, not a big uh, eminem fan but that's a good song well, and it's it is like I said I, to me it, it has it has a place because all the you know the 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 teeter tottering between trying to raise my daughter and do all this other stuff and I I think there's something about that song that at least one or two lines will stick with you no matter where you are in your life of trying to figure out what you should have done what could have you done what you know how do you get from where you are now to where you want to go or how did you get to where you are from where you're from uh, so yeah I, I think. Um, Lose Yourself from 8 Mile is, is just a great, pretty powerful song that still plays on the radio. I'll, it's not quite to the oldie station yet, but every now and then I'll be listening to, uh, you know, 104.5 The Cat. Hey, you could sponsor it. Uh, I Heart Radio. Hey, where am I? Uh, anyway, um, but they... Uh, Cat says they're selling ad revenue on our Bonehead episodes. They, they, they could, uh, but I mean, again, it still plays. It's still out there. So I'm glad James you picked that because I'm gonna our 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 two picks kind of transition, one they they flow well one with one another because mine's actually a rapper as well, who um, wrote his uh, song for this movie, in kind of the same way. Um, I'm gonna say the lyrics, just flowing smooth with the power, kicking it up, hour after hour, because in this life there's only one winner. You better aim straight so you can hit the center. In it to win it with a team of four. Ninja Turtles, you got to adore. Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. (laughs) I hate you so much. I am, of course, talking about the great Vanilla Ice, Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Is that on Netflix? Mm, Are the turtle movies on anything? I may show those to myself. They are on something. I I don't know what, but... um. Yeah, the Ninja them. Raps. It's also called the Ninja Rap song. It's also, uh, but it also goes by Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Um, he did. He wrote this. Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. That's the only thing anybody ever remembers. It's the shit that Splinter said. <laughs> what's the What's the song from the third shit movie where they go back in time? Turtles in time. Oh, it's got to get back in time. time. <laughs> it should have been. Could they not have fork out some money to Huey Lewis and get that song for your movie? <laughs> got to get back in time. You know, vanilla, uh, shockingly, Vanilla Vanilla Ice wrote this song in only 30 minutes, gentlemen. <laughs> to hell, you say. <laughs> but in his credit, that people really love it. They have they some do. sort of attachment to it. They do, and well, so do I. Because, I mean... And you have to remember that during that time that movie came out, either the summer before or the summer after, there was also a tour of the Music Turtle, of the Nin- Ninja Turtles performing their own rock band. They had a time with Pizza Hut to where you could get their album. Yep. Do y'all remember any of that? I remember all of it. There's a great, uh, there's a great article no. on Cracked about the history of that Pizza that Hut musical. was too fancy for us to go to. I know I didn't get to go. I just remember the commercials. Unless like, it oh, was a fucking know. book it. You can get a- <laughs> By the way, for half a second, I thought there was a possum behind your head, Joe. Because <laughs> I just saw first fly behind. I you. think I did an hour and a half or two hour meeting the other day with behind him, and you could just see people and make and, and a couple people made Doctor Evil jokes and whatnot. 
Uh, but anyway, um, the cat behind those, people listening. Yeah, I was saying if you're listening, there's a cat that popped up. There's a big um, puppy kitty. But uh, anyway, no, I, I, so I wanted to put that in perspective that for some reason between Ninja Turtles one and Ninja Turtles three, there was this need to have Ninja Turtles be linked permanently to hip hop. Well, so you know, the in the whole yeah, I don't understand that, but you know, like I said, the whole thing with Ninja Turtles two is Ninja Turtles one is basically one of the best independent movies ever made or, or one of the more successful independent movies ever made. And oh, yeah. because they couldn't get, they couldn't get funding and they just made it themselves and it came out and it was this huge hit. But then New Line distributed it, right? New Line distributed it. And then that's where the problem so New Line didn't, New Line didn't pay for that movie. That's why I mean, it's not like the, That's why it's not like the cartoon. I thought you considered paid it. For it. I know, let me, let me do so. I, I don't want to talk out of turn, but it was, it's considered one of the biggest independent films of all time yeah because so it, anyway um but no um but no it's so the problem was that was a huge hit <clears throat> and then the studio got into it and said okay it's too all that all that stuff that made that movie a hit we need to now make it more kid friendly yep and that's where it just got progressively speed up and he's in the tub and you don't know if he's gonna make it yep is is I think is the original director. I want to say it's Stephen Brill. Boys, I'm not looking this up. I'm. I think I'm he's the same guy that directed know. Critters. I don't know. You can look that up later, and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Maybe I'm not for sure. But uh, I want to uh, back on to, to Ninja Rap, James. Uh, there is an interesting trivia fact about this uh, because of uh, the internet being as shit as it is. Uh, did you know that there's an internet rumor uh, about the Go Ninja song? No. About who wrote it? No. <laughs> there is a online conspiracy that Frank Miller what? wrote the theme song. Oh my God. Now I'm interested. Going. Now you got my attention. You should have led with that. You buried the lead, Chad. So, uh, I found I found a couple of things on this and then I kept deep diving into it. And there's actually an article. Apparently there was a there's a podcast, go figure. Um, it was actually a YouTube, it was a it was a vlog, it was a video uh, thing, and some guy on on this was making a joke about the song and he speculated going i wonder what would have happened if frank miller wrote it and then of course the internet only heard one thing and then it blew up from there so now there's like a there's an uh, there's a conspiracy thing that frank miller actually wrote the song i want to say by the way for the record in defense of of your pick of for number two i will say i did have the original soundtrack on cassette i got it i don't remember any of the songs I don't I got, remember. I got either. it for my birthday when I was uh, whatever year that came out, and I love that soundtrack. I, I literally played it till my tape broke. I um, need to uh, rewatch. I boys, I haven't seen those movies in twenty years at least. I wonder if the first one holds up. The first one still holds up, but of course you don't like Willow now, so you're like, Ugh. so no. You don't I don't like know it. that I liked Willow as a kid. No, I I I stand by it. I try rewatching it, and you were talking about that darn cat and Willow is pretty boring, and it's it's really uneven and it hops a lot. I'm curious to know how much anyway, it doesn't matter, but anyway, I, I, matter. I'm really curious to know how much that screenplay was changed between when he wanted to do Lord of the Rings and ended up just doing Willow. Yeah. All right. Or anybody out there that he, Lucas couldn't get the, the rights to Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, I have a, a couple honorable mentions. Go for it. Y'all want me to go first? Because okay. honestly, I didn't do one because I thought Joe was going to do it. So I'm going to. 
uh, honorable mentions that I want to bring up. Um, I want to bring up Singing in the Rain because I didn't know the history of Singing in the Rain until I started doing it. Because I was like, oh, we probably need to mention one The classic. actual song? Yeah, what the fact that the song. Or the, or the sequence? The, the, the song. The okay. fact that the song predates that movie by 30 years. Oh, does it? Yeah, here's the story behind that. The guy that wrote the song, or at least gets credit for writing the song, became the the head of the music department musicals department and he realized wait a second if i can get them to use one of my songs i get paid twice twice and all of a sudden he was like hey let's do an entire musical around this singing the rain number i got a good feeling about there it was originally written in at least 1927 maybe before and and him getting credit for it is if he like i said i read that a couple different places but I couldn't find 100% proof, so I'm saying that as being at least what was reported. But it was used in the Hollywood Review of 1929, released now as Hollywood Review. It uh-huh. was that MGM took all their silent film stars that were transitioning to talkies and had them do it. So uh, it had tons, Laurel and Hardy. It had all these different people. Um, uh, oh, uh, the story, by the way, Lon Chaney was supposed to be in it, but he was under, he only had three pictures left for MGM. And he said, listen, I'll do it. But you got to count it as one of my three pictures and pay me my full salary. And they refused. Uh, uh, and there's a song in that movie, by the way, called Lon Chaney Will Get You. And they had an actor put on a mask and pretend it was Lon Chaney underneath it. And he almost sued. And so for a while, if you bought that, it was actually that se- sequence was removed. But it's been restored now if you're a Hollywood, uh, if you're a musical completist. That being said, it was performed for that by the Lucky Strike Orchestra, B.A. Raff and the Lucky Strike Orchestra uh, recorded it there. Jimmy Durante recorded it. Judy Garland recorded the it. The only person that I ever heard called him Jimmy Durante. I've Dur- heard Jimmy Durante. 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 That, that threw me for a loop. Judy Garland recorded it in Little Nellie Kelly in 1940. Little Nellie Kelly in 1940. Little Nellie Kelly. I'm not making look at that. You remember her hipster review? <laughs> she, she, uh, um, she recorded. It's in the that movie. Judy Garland performs "Singing in the Rain" for that movie. What made me aware of it was because I, I was watching. The reason I wanted to include it was I was like, wait a second, Laurel and Hardy used it before that. If you watch the Laurel and Hardy uh, movie, "The Big Noise," which uh-huh. is a is a fun movie, uh, they're uh, they're doing work for this. Um, private detective and make the mistake of answering his phone and so they have to go solve this case about a bomb and and anyway hardy gets in the shower and the shower goes off and he just starts performing singing in the rain but it came out before singing in the rain it came out in 1944 long story short everybody if you go singing in the rain everybody automatically goes to the musical but and it should but at the same time, just FYI, Singing in the Rain was an old song even then. And that's why in Singing in the Rain, when it's a throwback to the 1920s, that's why that song's used, because it came from the 1920s. So, so I want to bring up Singing in the Rain. Uh, otherwise, I've got to mention just, uh, you can't talk about movie themes, because I think the one place, the one franchise that without fail will always launch. Is this with really song, just one honorable mention? No, I said it's like you've been talking for 20 minutes. No, well, I'd be less if you'd stop interrupting. Uh, I doubt it. The one franchise. Throw an oven and on a pause. The one franchise that still launches music videos every time they have a movie come out, James Bond. 
yeah, James yeah. Bond. Billy Eilish's new song uh, for No Time to Die. I listened to it the other day. Did you um, like it? It has. It sounds like a 1970s kind of Bond feel. I yeah. always do it by how much it sounds like a Sean Connery Bond. Like Garbage, Garbage, uh, Shirley uh, Manson yeah. nailed, nailed that classic Bond sound to me. Yeah. But the world has done enough. That is of the most recent, of the last 20 years or so of Bond. It's not a good movie, but it is a good, great Bond song. Uh, Adele Skyfall. I think Skyfall, Adele belted that out. That was almost Tom Jones level of Thunderball. It's great. Uh, It was okay. Um, I I like it better than some of the other ones. But it's, I mean, I was like, yeah, okay, it works. I think I'm getting older because I don't really understand Billie Eilish. I I I think she's talented. I mean, I I heard I heard the song and I'm just like, ah, I just, I can't. Whispers for a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, her, her Bond song is probably, and you would think it would be that the garbage would have been more emo, but her, her Bond song's a little emo. It's got a little emo tint to it, it's, which is, maybe it makes sense. I haven't seen the film yet. I mean, we know it's going to be Daniel Craig's last one. And, and I, I read a, somebody did a spoiler that I was like, ah, I didn't want to know that. That being said, um, I, I do think that's the exception to the rule, right? I mean, it's still a yeah. big deal if you're picked to be the Bond performer, the musical performer. Oh, they make a big they make a big deal out of that more than they do the Bond film itself. Oh, well, and and that's usually because I mean, and those still get radio play. Those still get you know. I had to listen to uh, Madonna's Crap Fest a thousand times because it played on the radio. Still. I think I think the I like Bond film is the one exception to the rule of the song is actually a hit almost every single time it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was about to say, and by the way, I agree, Joe. That may be it's an oak. It's a pretty good Bond movie. It's a, that is the for the Pierce Brosnan ones. It's one of the better ones. It is the world's worst Bond song. I I, I will argue pretty anybody bad. that says there's a worse one. It's pretty that's bad. that's the bottom basement Bond song for me. Anyway, but I did want I did want to mention the Bond films because you launch a Bond film, you're launching an album, you're yeah, launching sure. a, a song. That's, so those are my two honorable mentions: Singing in the yeah. Rain, the history of that, and then the Bond films always have a song. So the one I thought Joe was going to bring up, and which is why I chose not to do it, um, and I probably would have picked this over Killer Tomatoes, um, Caddyshack 2, Kenny Loggins. be my honorable mention. Okay. Uh, I'm, <laughs> well, there you go. I'm going all the way. I, it's, I still love hearing it. Footloose, Danger Zone, they all have their spot. But for me, I'm Going All the Way by Kenny Loggins is still the, the song. I prefer it over the – as much as I like the theme, the, the one from Caddyshack, I actually prefer I'm going all the way. A little yeah. Bit. But I do. Um, I think the problem is with the, the original one from Caddyshack is they cut out for the radio. You don't hear the actual whole song. And there's some places in that song. It's like, eh, it is not very good. Right. From the original Caddyshack. But um, yeah. All right. And well, we, that only and, leaves me one. Well, then uh, we uh, didn't mention, we didn't, men- we mentioned it at the top of the episode, but you know, Kiss from the Rose from Batman Forever. I mean, and the well, song already big, existed yeah, prior to that. It's just, yeah, yeah. it already existed. But, you know, that song is forever connected to. Oh, yeah, mean, the video. I mean, it's because of the video, too, because you just had the, and they didn't, all they really did was the video basically just has the bat symbol. In it's the, the bat right? signal yeah. with uh, him singing in front of it and intercut footage. Yeah. 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 Shirtless. Yeah. Yep. Which well, is he has a shirt, an open shirt, I should say. Which every time I visit a cemetery, I make sure I have a, a wind machine in my shirt. Open. Right. Yeah. Well, boys, um, it only leaves me my last honorable. Hold on, I'm not done. Uh, 
Now you got onto me for two, but you let Chad just jibber jab off. I know. Just I went, went to say something, and I was like, "Shut up, fatty! You're done." So you went, keep going. You went all the way through. I'm just naming songs, but uh, Robin Hood, everything I do. Yeah. You know, Bri- I don't like it now. I liked it then. Full disclosure, well, I liked it then. I just for it everybody is. in the audience, I really just can't stand. There's two. There's probably two artists for some odd reason I just detest. It's and, him and John Mellencamp, Cougar, Fuckstick. Yeah, and I'm I'm with Joe, but back then, Brian this is Adams the and him. Why, this is why I owned Brian Adams' greatest hits, and it's one of those purchases of of CDs. But he was successful I, at it, man. He's the one who did the Three Musketeers one too. Well, well, him, Sting, and Rod Stewart. But um, two others. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Remember. It was a, it was a trio. I don't all remember. for love. I I do I do want to say by the way for the record I I never was a Brian Adams fan. I do don't own any Brian Adams. But Chad is right that that song was huge, and, that, and it was forever linked to that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's him singing in a forest. And then I also want to mention real quickly uh, MC Hammer's version of the Adams Family. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, my, we got to talk about that one briefly. The problem is, is that you're too legit, too legit to quit. They do what they want to do, say what they want to say, play how they want to play. The Adams family. You can slap um, a friend. And then finally, uh, the the last one I want to mention, actually, um, it was one of the things that started my uh, kickstarted me uh, getting into CDs because I've never been a big music person, but uh, Diane King's Shy Guy from the Bad Boy soundtrack. <laughs> from what? <laughs> Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, Bad Boys. Okay. Diane uh, oh, I might have said that name wrong. Hold on one second. Not Diane King. Yeah, Diane King. Diana King. No idea. Shy guy. Diana, now, Diana Prince is completely different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully we can have her on the show someday. Nope. Uh, What's your one pick, Joe? Fuck you. I'm going to just start walking around <laughs> going off for an hour and a half. The only one other pick that you all didn't mention that was much better and bigger than the movie, and I can't believe you didn't remember it. For, for Gemini, Christmas, sex, man. Her legs were insured for a million dollars. I don't need another hero from the Thunderdome. It's true. Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Thunder, again, not a – We not don't the, need another hero. By the way, that, that also – That's the name of the song? Right. I can't remember. I was the only one that was coming through. I don't know. I just – I always think about it, and it's just that Joel – once again, Mr. Sassy – theater 3000 doing the joke of can we just get beyond thunderdome can we go beyond thunderdome can we move on to something else interesting thing robert zemeckis thought he was going to get his ass kicked that summer with his little movie by the thunderdome that was the one that was supposed to come out and kill everybody i uh was the new mad max turns out turns out he had an okay shot with a little thing called back to the future well, I was about to say, but, you know, and that to me is, is probably the least of the Mad Max films uh, to date, at least. Let's oh, of course, of course. But that being said, there are some scenes in it where I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a bye. I mean, uh, but the song it's is a about. Movie. It, but it's completely the least of the films. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, and by the way, once again, still the better than memorable. anything I've got out the there. The least memorable. The least. Yeah. Tina Turner is why you remember that film. Yes. Yes. Tina Turner and that kid. Yep. Yep. You're right. The kid. You remember that visual with the hair and stuff. I think you just remember that yep. kid. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's been movie thongs, song, thongs, movie thongs. The best. Oh, thongs you know, actually, movies I tell you, I, 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 I know we're getting ready to go, but I actually should mention one more thing, because if not, we're going to get our street cred hurt. Queen Highlander. 
it's probably the bear on M Street. We should have talked about the Fat Boys doing their Freddy's song. But but I mean, the the first Highlander. However you feel about that franchise, that movie doesn't work half as well if it doesn't have Queen. I, man, I wanted. That's something I revisit every five or ten years and say, Am I going to like it better now? But no, I'm just saying that the song, uh, the soundtrack, which was Queen released as a touch of magic, I believe, or a kind of magic. I don't remember the album. It's a kind of magic. It's kind of magic. But I mean, um, the song that they, where they use the sample from the movie for Kurgan, better burn out than fade away, uh, all that stuff. And once again, Clancy Brown, that's because the first Highlander movie, I think, is so great because you do have a great villain. Yep. Anyway, uh, but I just I just want to throw that out because I almost forgot about that. But we do need to give Queen props for Highlander being as good as it is. Whether you like it or not, Queen works for that movie. And if there's a really obscure one we forgot about, we'd love to hear it. We try not to talk too much about the ones that everybody knows. So if you've got an obscure one, let us know that. Love to hear your. I mean, dude, we could we talk about Pet Cemetery is a damn good song. Actually, sometimes it's better than the movie. The movie's good well, too. It just suffers. And from it's too. iconically performed by the Ramones. Yeah. I mean, they didn't do a ton That's of probably soundtracks. Probably the Ramones' biggest hit, don't you think, on the actual Billboard top 40 probably. album charts? Probably yeah. was. And again, on tons of Halloween CDs now. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good song. All right. So thank you all so much. Anybody got anything to get before we go? Is, is Chad distracted by his own ceiling fan? <laughs> he just looks it like, like, like he's looking. masturbating. Were you taking a pee? <laughs> sure no, all of the above what was uh, going on there i've been hunched over and my back hurts i don't have anything funny to say about that just literally my back hurts and this uh, this alleviates the pain from it okay well we're gonna let chad go do number two so you guys have a good night <laughs> who we're- does number two work two for? Works for i showed that to my kids for my butt all right thank <laughs> you this has been bonehead weekly share and subscribe Grrrr. <sniffs>